talked about being thankful for preparation. And this morning we're going to, I'm going to preach a sermon called Thankful for Access. Now last week in the story of Esther, we saw that she was being prepared by the king's men. She was being prepared um, to go forth to the king. And then she went to the king and she saw, got favor from the king. And she was more loved than any of the rest of the women. And so she became the queen. And this morning we're going to pick up the story in Esther chapter 4. And I'm going to read verse 11 this morning. And it says this. It says, all the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard who has not been summoned, the death penalty. Only if the king extends the gold scepter will that person live. I have not been summoned to appear for the king, before the king, for the last 30 days. That's a pretty steep penalty to go before the king unannounced. Pretty steep penalty. But how many can know that that same penalty was extended for us? When we were in sin, if we were to step before a holy God, we would have been judged for that sin. And the golden scepter in here represents Jesus. All right. So we talked a little bit about last week about type and shadows. And I know you guys are with me. So we're going we're gonna to go through this. It's going to be cool. So in this story, the king represents God. Esther represents us. And the golden scepter represents Jesus. All right. So point number one. Favor gives you access. Because as we talked about last week, Queen Esther received favor from the king and that she and he loved her more than any of the other young women. Now, when it says that he loved her more than any of the other young women, that is not talking about romantic love as we know it, where we say, and, I, and we fall in love. That's not what he's talking about. He said that he just he liked her. He liked her personality. He liked her beauty. He liked her more than he liked anybody else, and that's the reason she became queen. But that's pretty cool when we think about it and we say, God liked me more than anybody else, and God liked you more than he liked me because God is God like that, and he can do that, and he can like us all more than he likes everybody else because he's God. Just I find that fascinating. So favor gives you access because, you see, if she hadn't earned the favor from the king and became the queen— she would not she would have never had access to the king again ever because she would have went and lived with the concubines and would have been under a servant and would have not been able to go to the king whenever she wanted she could have been killed yep your access to god is not dependent on what you do it is, thank, thank God, our access to God is not dependent on what we do, but it is dependent on him. Because he's the one that gave us access through the death of his son on the cross. He's the one that gave us access. So, when we talk about this, this is a type and shadow, I believe, of prayer. <clears throat> and if there's one thing we need to talk about in the church, is prayer. Because... I don't know about you, 
But when I first started this thing, it was difficult for me to pray because I didn't feel like I was worthy enough. And it took me a few minutes, and it took me a few times to come to the realization that God loves me for me. And I, I, heard, I heard a pastor say it this week. He said, why does God love us? What makes you, you? You know, and I can sit here and say, Sean is, and I can write down everything that I am. I am a father. I am a husband. I am a pastor. I am, I, I, I oversee a church. I uh, drive a truck. Because I mean, know that things can define us if we let them. But all these things, but none of that is who I really am because all of those I have a choice. We could choose to be a father. I can choose to be a father or I can choose to be a bum and, you know, go live my life however I want to and not pay child support because a lot of people do it. I could choose, I can choose to be a husband because I don't have to get married or I didn't have to get married. Um, I could, cho I chose to be a pastor. I could have said no. All of these things are choices, but the one thing in our life that is not a choice is that God loves us. The one thing in my, in my children's life is that I love them. Even when I want to strangle them, I love them. That's the one thing you don't have a choice in is that God loves you. So, it's not depend so, it, so our access and prayer is not dependent upon us. It is dependent upon Jesus because through the death of Jesus on the cross... He gave us access. And the picture goes like this in the story of Esther. It says that there is this evil Haman who is, who is, the, who is the son or the great-great-great-grandson of the king of the Amalekites that Saul was supposed to kill and didn't. So now, through the passage of time, it has come down that this descendant that Saul was supposed to kill... And that, here's a sermon for another time, but all of the, you know, are we going to do what God has told us to do, or are we going to let our children defeat the enemies that, are, that God told us to defeat? But that is a different story for a different, that's a different sermon for a different day. So Haman goes to the king, and he gets in real good with the king, and he is the king's second. And just like we would say of Joseph, he basically had, <clears throat> he could do anything he wanted to do. So he goes to the king and he says, I want to kill the Jews because I don't like this one. I don't like this one guy. So I'm going to kill all the Jews. Now, in our lives, we have the same thing. We have Haman, or the type and shadow of the devil, who's going before God and saying, listen. Listen, these people over here now, they're a bunch of, they, they're doing drugs, and they're doing out, they're drinking alcohol, and they're talking bad about you, and they're saying every little, all of it, right? And he can say every little thing, and he's talking, they're talking bad about everybody. And they're, they're living in sin. So let's kill them. So let's kill them. And the king says, okay. And this story, and the king of Esther. Now, we all, we all know how the story ends with God. So the king issues a decree that says, okay, you can do whatever you want. And so they're going to kill all the Jews and take all their stuff on a certain day. But then Mordecai, Esther's uncle, shows up. And he says, and he asks the queen, he begs her, and he says, listen, 
you've got to go before the king. You have got to go. And one of the statements I, I, I love and I find so, so fascinating in this is that Mordecai says, if you don't do it, if you do not go before the king, God will surely bring a deliverance from somewhere else, but you and your family will perish. You and your line will die if you do not stand up and intercede for our people at this time. And so that's where we pick up in Esther chapter 4, verse 11, where she says, she replies to him and says, listen, don't you know that I will die? There is a great chance that I could die. And he says, listen, you've, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to die anyways. You might as well pick your, pick your way to do it. And so she asks them to, so she asks all the Jews that are in the fortress of Susa, and she said her and all her servants fasted for three days, fasted and prayed for three days. And Esther chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says this. It says, on the third day, Esther dressed up in her royal clothing and stood in the inner courtyard of the palace facing it. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the royal courtroom facing its entrance. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, she won his approval. The king extended the gold scepter in his hand toward Esther and she approached and touched the tip of the scepter. So if favor gives you access, access gives you proximity. Because her favor gave her access to the court of the king. But it was her life and her willingness to sacrifice it that gave her, ac that ac that gave her proximity. Access into the kingdom gives you proximity to the king. So that she could go in and she dressed herself up. And she went before the king and said, listen. I want to invite you to dinner. I want to invite you and this, this accuser of my people to dinner. Access gives you proximity. You see, she didn't run straight to the king, but she was able to walk into the court. And when he saw her, he extended the scepter. So we can say that when God saw us on the fateful day, he extended his scepter. He extended his son Jesus to us. But it was up to us whether we went in to the king or not. Because she could have ran the other way. Still. But she went in and touched the scepter. She went in closer to the king. Because a lot of us in our lives have this problem. We want to stand in the court of the king, and we want to make sure that we're going to be okay. But we don't want to take that step that gets us closer, that gets us recognized. Because when we get recognized, then maybe he'll see all my flaws. At least that's me anyways. He'll see all my flaws. He'll see that I didn't do everything appropriately. He'll see that I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not really supposed to be here. I, I, I'm just a, you know, a, a, in Queen Esther's story, she could have said, I'm just, a, I'm just a girl. 
and I've lost everything because her uncle was her, her uncle was stepping in for her father, which means that everyone in her family must have been dead except for her uncle. She said, I'm, I'm here, but maybe I'm not supposed to be here. I'm just a lowly farm girl. I'm just, I'm just. And how many times have we said that? I'm just an ex-drug addict. God can't use me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. But when, the, but when she walks in and the king sees her and he is reminded of how much he loves her. And so he extends his scepter, which is Jesus. Access gives us proximity, but it's our choice how close we get to the king. Because I could stand here and I could be, I can be this close to Dave, or I can walk over and I can say, okay, I'm good right here. Or we can walk over and I can say, or I can come over and be, the proximity is up to me. The proximity is up to my purpose and my passion and, and how much I apply the word of God to my life and how much I'm willing to lay down to get to the king. She was willing to lay down her life to get to the king. Point number three. I'm almost done. Proximity gives you the heart of the king. You see, as I said in the beginning, when she was made queen, she only had his favor. She only had his favor. He didn't romantically love her. He was just, she was just who she was. But the more time that she spent in his presence, the more she won the heart of the king. And in our life, it works like this. The more time we spend with God, the more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend reading the word, the more time we spend yielding and listening to the gentle, quiet, still, small voice, the more we get the heart of the king. And how does this manifest? This manifests in our life by, by this, by our deeds and our actions. Because James talks about that, you know, we don't have to justify ourselves. We don't have to do works to get to heaven. He says, we get to heaven by faith. But he also says this. He says that I will, he says, I will show you my faith by my works. Now, what does that mean? That's, 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 that's a crazy statement. You just say, he just spends a significant amount of time and a significant amount of letter space saying, you don't have to have do works, but I will show you my faith by my works. I will show you this. I will show you my heart. I will show you the heart of the king by what I do. So, in the church culture, a lot of times we go into church and we feel like church is cold and people are stuck up and nobody greets us. And we've been there. I've been there. And, and, no, and everybody says, 
oh, I'm just here, I'm just here, I'm going to come here, I'm going to go, and then we're going to go home. But that's not the kingdom. That's not God's heart. God's heart is to love everyone. I'll tell you, the Thursday night, we were sitting here laying flooring. We decided to order pizza because we were just hungry and nobody wanted to cook. And so we're like, okay, we're going to order pizza. We're going to stay down here and we're going to get as much done as we can. And so my wife had said, hey, can you go look for the pizza? So I opened the front door and I'm just sitting there. And there's, a, and there's these two men walking down the street and they're gawking at our sign. I'm like, okay, well, this is cool. I like this. And so they're like turning around like, and I'm sitting here going, I said, hey, how you doing? Did I, and I did not realize that was going to turn into an hour-long conversation by saying, hi, how are you doing? But as I was sitting there and, and as I was standing there and I was constantly, and I was listening to this gentleman speak, I said, and, and he wasn't, well, let's just be, let's be honest. He was not the most well-dressed individual in the world. And I'm just going to leave it at that. But as, as, as I sat there, I kept thinking in my mind going, God, help me, show my, help me show your compassion to him. Help me show your love. Because help me, God, don't ever let me judge anyone else. That's the heart of the king. It's not, just trust me. There was a time in my life I'd have been like, dude, like, okay, nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm like trying to cut, you know. But just sitting and listening to people. Your actions are what will gain you the heart of the king. Your proximity. Let me rephrase that. Your proximity is what gives you the heart of the king. Your proximity. How much time we spend with the king, thinking about the king. When we get into proximity to Jesus, we gain his heart. Because... In Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, it says this. It says that the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? All of our heart's desires are evil. But in Psalm 37, 4, it says this. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. How do we get... How can we reconcile those two verses together? Because my heart is desperately wicked, but the Lord will give you the desires of his heart. And the only way I could reconcile this myself is in John 5.30, Jesus says this. John chapter 5, verse 30. He says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. So, I believe that when the psalmist says that take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, I believe that God is going to give us his desires, his heart's desires, if we seek him with proximity. If we say in our lives that we are going to be devoted to him. And it looks different for everybody because everybody's life is different. For me, it was completely deleting Facebook off my phone and things that I waste time with. Because I waste a lot of time sometimes. And, I'm, and I will be honest enough to admit that. 
But first, we, and, and, and in this John 5, 3 verse, this is so cool. Because it says, as I hear, I judge. That is an active hearing. It is, we talk about going to Walmart and witnessing to people. That is active hearing. That is actively being engaged with the Holy Spirit. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous. Because I do not seek my own will. And how many of us can say that? I know I can't. That I always, that, I, that I'm, I'm seeking my own will a lot of times. Going, okay, God, grow the church, grow the church, grow the church. How are we going to grow the church? But if we learn to lean on, lean on his will and his understanding and his desires, then we will begin to do things his way so that we will see his will be done in the North Country and not our own. Because a lot of times we can have our own will. And it's not saying that we don't have creative ideas, because we do, and God will give it to us. But I'm going to leave you with one more scripture. And it is Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16. And it says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, we don't have to go. We don't have to be like Esther and say, I'm going to fast and pray for 30 days so that I don't die before I go to the king. He says that if we are in Christ Jesus, then we have a high priest who understands everything that we go through. He understands temptation. He understands rejection. He understands betrayal. He understands people gossiping and backbiting. He understands it all. And so he says, as we come in, he says, Dad, this is my servant, Sean. And I know he's done a lot of bad stuff. I know he's done a lot of stuff that doesn't deserve forgiveness, but I've forgiven him. And I extend my righteousness to him so that we can come, so that he can come boldly before you and ask. And anything we ask, and, and, and that's where I think we get that scripture twisted up, anything we ask in the name of Jesus so we end every prayer in the name of Jesus. I think we have that a little bit twisted. Because if we ask in Jesus' name, we ask as he is asking the Father because he is constantly interceding for us. And I might be jumping in the next week just a little bit. But he is constantly interceding for us. And we have access to the Father through his grace and his righteousness. So when we ask in his name, we are asking in his righteousness, not in our own righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
So as we close today, let's pray. God, we